Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome to another episode of Helmets Off. I'm your host, Scott Mitchell. We're powered by kslsports.com. Uh, please go to uh, check that out. If you, you, you know, it's, there's some amazing content on there, not only just uh, my podcast, but there's other podcasts as well. Uh, it's, it's really a great source for all of your sports insight. Also, uh, you can like us on uh, Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast and at Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. So uh, go out there and, and uh, really support what we do. We really like it. So um, to start with, the, uh, the, the Pac-12 and Big Ten uh, clearly decided that they weren't going to play football this fall. Uh, and, and the answer that they gave, they were very unified in this. They said, it was about consulting their medical professionals and after review that the health and well-being of these players is of the utmost importance. So that was the reasoning behind it. And, and I find this, and that was it. There's no other explanation other than that. And that's not the reason why they uh, didn't have the season. The reason why is simply because of risk management. So what you have is you, you have uh, you have the potential of these players getting long, having some kind of long-term impact from the COVID virus if they do get it. There have been some studies that have come out, and, they, and it's talked a little bit about uh, scars on hearts and lungs, uh, myocarditis, uh, which is, which is uh, an issue that actually impacts your ability to run, to even drive a car. And it's not... It's, it, it's very early in its stages, uh, but there, there's the potential of it, right? Well, there's, there's a potential of getting hit in your car when you drive down the road. And, and so I don't, I, don't think the, I, I don't think the risk is that great from that. Uh, but I also believe no one knows what's going on here. I mean, nobody knows. No one knows the long-term impact. No one knows if this is a good or bad thing. No one knows if they can even get through a season. But what they said was, <laughs> we're not taking that chance. And we're not taking it, and I believe this, is because these players have actually come out and have, they've been extremely vocal. So um, the reason I say this is you, you have, for months, you hear these athletic directors, you hear these conference uh, commissioners, and they talk about, we're, we're on phone calls daily, multiple times a day, walking through all the potential scenarios of what we could possibly do to have a season is in the fall. 
they, they went, they had all these different contingency plans based on how things were uh, shaping up. And it looked good. Players were returning to these colleges. They were able to, it looked like they were going to start their fall camps in, in August sometime. Some of these schools were going to start their season in Labor Day. Some of them were going to start their season the end of September. They even came out with schedules, went to a conference only. They, they were flexible. They had, so they, this was well thought out. There were months and months and months of this happening. And then all of a sudden at the last minute, they said, well, they pulled the plug. Whoa, 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 whoa. And they all didn't pull the plug. I mean, you have, you have the SEC, you have the ACC, you have the Big 12. They said, we're fine. And these are people that I guarantee you they're consulting with the same kinds of doctors. Like they're not, they're not finding some quack, you know, from some, uh, you know, online, whatever, got his medical degree in uh, some third world country. No, they, they, these are top shelf medical professionals advising some of the top conferences and people in the country. They take their football seriously and they take the, the well-being of these athletes seriously. So how can three of the five have one opinion and the other two not? And what I think the main reason is because of these players. The players started to get vocal. They started to, to, to have demands. They started to organize in a way that they said, we want health, we want screening, we want all of these things taken care of. And I think these universities said, you know what, it's not worth it. You know, had the players kind of been mute on it, I really believe this. And I don't think anyone, I don't know that they'll come out and admit it, but, but it, it was just, it was too weird that they had gone so far down the road with this before they started to say, sorry. So these players are demanding health uh, protection. And it's challenging. I mean, it's challenging because you're sitting here in a situation where uh, you got to fly on an airplane. And, and I've been on airplanes uh, since this all started, and, and they're relatively safe. But the, the challenge is they go to hotels. They don't have any control over who is at the hotel before they were. They, uh, they go out uh, socially. Uh, they don't, no one can control their time away from football. The reality is the, the most consistent time you have in your life as an athlete, a football player, is during the season. Your schedule is very regimented. You go to school, you go to practice, uh, you have meetings, you have to study, you have to get up early in the morning and go work out. I mean, during the week, you're committed. There might be one night a week on a Saturday night uh, that you are gonna have any opportunity to go out and do something. It's the only time. There's just not a lot of time during the week for guys to really go out and do things. They're, they're, they're pretty busy. Uh, so letting them go now in the fall and not having that control over, over them actually has more of an impact negatively on them and, and rises the potential of getting uh, in, you know, infected higher. And, and a lot of these players have said this. A lot of coaches have said this. And, I mean, some big-time coaches in the country said, look, our players are better off where they are. Trevor Lawrence at Clemson came out and said, you know, these guys left to go back home or wherever they're from uh, are going to have greater risk of exposure than, than if they're, they're here playing football. Uh, relatively safe, actually, 
to, to play football. But this, this, this decision is absolutely devastating for these schools that can't play. And, and let, let, me, let me just give you an example of a player. Joe Burrow played at LSU, won the Heisman Trophy, was the first pick in the draft. Joe Burrow was no better than a fifth-round uh, draft pick pre-last season and had what I believe was probably the best college football season of anyone ever. And he went from fifth round to the number one pick, signed a $40 million rookie contract, $32 million, $32 million guaranteed, all because he got to play in a football season. Now you say, well, yeah, but most of these guys are not going to go on to play in the NFL. But, uh, uh, you know, a decent number of them are. And you're talking about Power Five conferences. Uh, the University of Utah had seven players drafted last year. And, and a lot of them got drafted because they had that extra year of, of eligibility. It probably improved their draft status because they played that extra time. So players, not only, I mean, the ones that are good, they're fine, but it's, it's players that can improve their position by playing. And that's a massive impact. Then you have all of these schools that literally um, like had no, like they don't have revenue. I mean, there, there's a strong possibility, like they can't keep their doors open. They don't have money. They can't, you know, they can't pay people. They can't pay for the resources and continue to fund things. A lot of these, um, these, uh, you know, sub beast, uh, you know, uh, playoff conferences look for revenue from these bigger schools. It's how they fund their programs. And it's not just, it's not just football. It's, it's, uh, it's all the other sports, the non-revenue generating sports. So you've got, you've got these coaches, you've got these players, you've got fans who um, you have local communities the, the, the impact of these local communities uh, is, is in the, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in lost revenue from all kinds of um, travel, you know, entertain. I mean, just it, go, it goes across the board. Massive, massive loss. And a lot of these, these cities are like the number one draw is college football. And you have, you have these great college towns. Uh, that aren't going to have have that revenue from that sport, but there's also this emotional impact, and and I believe that it's significant, and I believe that it's driving a lot of the craziness that's going on in our country right now. It's created a, a somewhat um, contentious, a somewhat chaotic environment, and I'm not I'm not here to debate the issues of who's right or who's wrong or any of that stuff. Uh, I, I just don't care to get into that. But I, I believe that this pandemic has created angst. And what we did is when it first started, we were all good. We stayed home, stay home, stay safe, you know, all these things. And I think for the most part, a lot of people did. And there wasn't a lot of, of an issue. And then we said, okay, and, the, and a lot of why we did is because we want our football in the fall. We want to be able to... Uh, you know, have this uh, experience. Okay, we'll take a, a short-term hit. We'll be good. We'll stock up on toilet paper. We'll do all these things. But then we want our football in the fall. And now, now you're sitting here going, oh my goodness, you know, we don't have it. 
And it was, it, it's one thing to say, you know, hey, we're, we're kind of not sure, we're still looking into things, but they said, here's the schedule, here's when it started, here's our plan, and they were marching forward, and then just like that, boom, they just, they just pulled the brakes on this thing, which is just cruel, just cruel. So I think there's an emotional impact from fans, from people to go, when is this ever going to end? When, when are we going to get through this thing? Because it's like, they, they, I don't think anyone thought there's no way they're going to cancel college football. Now, the other side of it is half of the conferences are going to watch these other schools play. And that's going to that's gonna suck. That's going to be awful if you're one of these people that has to sit there and go, you know, why, I don't get why we're not playing. And, and you, have, you have these players that are like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get a chance to be that, that Joe Burrow. I, I, you know, and will they transfer? And, and here you have these schools that have, they have that extra ability to develop their program. We didn't stop football. That's going to help in recruiting. It's going to help in, in, uh, in, in their positioning in college football. Whenever you can practice, whenever you can play and your opponent isn't, you're going to be better. You, you get better because your players just learn. They develop. They, they grow. And you sit there and you go, uh, you know, we're going to try to do good in school. And there's nothing wrong with doing good in school, but it's not going to do a lot to help your program improve and get better. And so, so that's a real problem, a real, real problem. Now, I'm going to take a break. But when I came back, I, or when I come back, because I am coming back, I'm not canceling the show. Uh, we've we've voted, and it was unanimous. We're keeping the show. Uh, we've 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 tested, and we've talked to our our doctors, and got you know great advice. So we're here. But um, when this first started, and they threw out the idea, there's a possibility of having football in the spring. I said that is the craziest, dumbest idea in the world. It's absolutely impossible. How could you ever consider something like this? Well, now, if you're, if you're in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, you got to figure it out. And I actually, after looking at this, believe, well, we can certainly talk about the pros and cons, but I think there's actually a way to have a season and, um, and make it work. Stick around. We'll be right back and uh, talk about spring. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, really appreciate your support. And uh, this whole this whole division of, of college football, some people staying, some people going, is certainly um, perplexing. I, I've not gotten a good answer as to why. And I still don't understand how three out of five say it's okay. I mean, <clears throat> that's good enough for your dentist, right? Three out of five dentists say, Hey, you know, um, you need, you need, uh, Crest toothpaste. You're not going to have them all agree, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a majority. 
So I don't understand that. I don't understand why they would be so indecisive about this whole thing. It just shows you that these conferences are all about themselves. They just, it doesn't matter. We're, we're going we're gonna to take care of our own. There's no solidarity here. It's just what's best for us. Well, they've thrown out, they, meaning the Big Ten and Pac-12, have thrown out the idea of saying, okay, we're, um, we're thinking about looking into the possibility of football in the spring. I've done this before. I've, I've done it where I played football in the spring, and then I went right into playing football in the fall. And that was after coming off of a football season. So I played football for a year and a half straight. My second year in the NFL, went through my uh, second year with the Miami Dolphins. Of course, I was a backup quarterback, saw very limited time during the season. But as soon as the season was over, went right into training camp uh, with the World League. I mean, two weeks. Two weeks after the season was over, I was in training camp. We went all the way through the season. We went through the playoffs. We played in the World Bowl. So our season in the World League ended at the end of June. Miami, we had five, five preseason games. So we started our training camp the, like July 13th. I had two weeks off. So I had two weeks at the end of the football season, went into a full season, played a full season, had two weeks off, and then I started training camp with the Miami Dolphins. And it was brutal. And for me, that whole summer, it's like, that's where I make my livelihood. I make the team in the preseason because Dan Marino was the starting quarterback. And, and so the only time I really get to play is in, in, that, in, that, in that, that summer in, in, in training camp. Well, I ended up playing in, in all five of the preseason games and played extensively. The first preseason game, played the Washington Redskins. I played the entire game. And I played, you know, at least a half of almost uh, of almost every 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 football season or every football uh, game that summer for the Miami Dolphins. It was brutal. I was physically and mentally wasted, and I was just a backup quarterback. And I can't imagine another type of player, you know, that has you know uh, someone who has a lot of physical contact, and and to do that. Reese Davis with ESPN said, you know, this whole thing's about player safety and you want to go have a spring football league. That safety of those players is significantly compromised. But there is a way to do it, right? So, so that, that's the big issue is, is playing football that, that, that long in the year. Now, right now, if they did it early enough and people are talking like January early enough, you'd have to reduce the number of games, but you can make it work. You could make it work because, um, you know, it wouldn't be the same. It would be, it would be a modified season. You know, maybe you play six games, eight games, <clears throat> and then you're done. Maybe you have a championship game. You're done sometime mid-March. You know, January, February, you're done mid-March. And then you have time for, to prepare for the combine for those that go. You have the NFL draft. You have, you have a good window. You know, you have – you have April, May, June, July, essentially. Uh, so you, you know, so you're, you're going to have a decent amount of time to to prepare for the season. Now, Urban Meyer said, "There's no way these guys can can do that and then go and get into um, OTAs in the NFL and make that." I, I disagree with that because OTAs 
all that stuff is so limited today that it, it, it minimizes uh, the, the impact these players are going to be having. So I, I know it's feasible. But what you're going to have is you're going to have um, you're going to have all the guys that are, you know, the Trevor Lawrences, you're going to have all the guys that are really good. They're, they're out. They're not going to play. They're not going to play. And, but, but what you're going to get is you're going to get a lot of young players. You're going to get these players that uh, mid-year guys, a lot, of, a lot of guys are doing this now where they're enrolling in school in January. And so you're going to get these, these mid-year transfer guys, whether college or junior college, and they're going to go right into a season. They're going to play a season in the spring. They're going to have a summer, and then they're going to play, play again in the fall. And that, that could be an exciting thing. Now, all of these conferences that didn't do that are kind of at a disadvantage. So right now, it's like one, one conference has an advantage, or, or one section of conferences do, the ACC, uh, SEC, et cetera, because they're playing right now. But the other conferences are going to play in the spring and the fall. Now, I actually, believe it or not, if it, and, and this is a big if, if they can pull off a spring league, it actually would be better for, I think, recruiting for the teams that aren't playing this fall. No one signs in the fall. So, so it's not like, you know, uh, they're, they're reaping in, you know, you'll get commitments and things like that, but no one's signing. And, you, and you're telling these players, you come sign with us, we're going to start playing like immediately. And then, and then, and, and you're going to get such a, a boost by coming here where you're going to have the spring and you're going to play, and then you're going to go right into the fall. And, and that's, that's huge. That's massive. I think, I think it's a huge advantage for these teams. Now uh, they're going to, it's going to be ugly in the spring, but who cares? <laughs> right? Nobody cares. No one's going to care. Now the fans, and, and I believe this is kind of a silver lining with all of this. If you're a fan of college football, essentially what you're going to get is you're going to get power. You're going to get the best football you possibly could get because these teams aren't playing uh, non-conference games in the fall. So the matchups are going to be awesome. You're going to get, you're going to get a good, a good section of college football in the fall. And if, and again, it's a big if, if they're able to do this in the spring, you're also going to get college football in the spring. So it's kind of like we, we've, been, we've been pent up. We want our sports. We want all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, you, you, you have the potential of getting this massive surge of good football. And that's something I think that would uh, any, any football fan could appreciate. You don't have that lull, that letdown. I mean, the Super Bowl gets over and everyone's just crushed. Well, now there's something that could pad that uh, that disappointment and that angst to get back to a season again. What may be interesting from all of this is it may be the catalyst that actually spurs on spring football and the value of it. And somewhere, somehow, maybe someone through this might figure out how to make spring football work. And then, hey, we have our football year round. I'm going to take another break. And of course, I, I went to the University of Utah. I, I broadcast all of the games, so I'm not doing that this fall. Very disappointed in that. But I think that this actually is a much better scenario for the University of Utah uh, than had they played this fall. And I, I hate to even admit that, but after looking at this, 
it may make a massive amount of sense for for the youths to actually play football in the spring. I'll explain when we come back. All right, welcome back to Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, your host here, uh, talking about this decision about some of these uh, prestigious Power Five conferences deciding we're not playing football, we're not having any fall sports. And I, I've just been sick about this. Uh, I think it was, you know, a devastating decision. Uh, I think it's going to be really hard. I don't, I don't think it's going to be fun for these conferences that aren't playing. I, I still don't understand why these schools couldn't have just said, okay, let's just start <laughs> and let's just kind of dip our toes in this. Got a great plan in place and let's just see if we can execute the plan and, and make the season work. I mean, the University of Utah is going to lose 50 to $60 million in revenue. Uh, that, that's that's a, kind of a typical number for these schools and these conferences for not, not being able to play. It's, it's a massive financial hit. But after looking at this, uh, there, there, it, it actually makes more sense and would be better for the University of Utah to not play football in, in the fall and actually play in the spring. So, again, massive if. Because I'm not, I'm not sold. I think it's possible, but I'm not sold that they can pull off football in the spring. So here's why it's good. University of Utah lost nine starters on defense. Two guys are left. And they lose, their, they lose one lineman, they lose their quarterback, and they lose their running back. The two most productive guys on the team last year, quarterback, running back, were massively key in the success University of Utah had in winning the Pac-12 South and playing for the Pac-12 championship and being really, had they won the Pac-12 championship, would have been in the playoffs. So here's, here's a team pretty much decimated. And everyone is like, whoo, you know, this is, this is going to be a, a retooling year. This is going to be a growth year. And then they don't have spring football. So they don't have the practices to even find out who's any good and who isn't. There's no, there's no ability to develop. So, that, so now you have uh, – got to go into a season, and you were hoping that you'd have some non-conference games to kind of get your feet wet a little bit. No, nope, you're going to go right into conference play. Brutal. Like, they're, they're going to be a lot of mistakes. This is going to be ugly. It's going to be – it's going to take some time for this thing to really bet itself out. And, and probably lose four or five games in the process. You know, I mean, it's potentially just, just through the lack of experience. Well, now, if they have spring, and again, keep saying this, but, you know, we're, we're, we're spec speculating here. If they have spring, then they get all these practices in the fall. They get to really get some good on-field instruction because these players – have been going through massive amounts of classroom work. So now, now they're gonna have a really healthy spring ball. They're gonna have a prep period to, to get ready for the season. They're gonna play six to 10 games in the spring. And you have all these young players who are, are kind of, you know, they're, they're just green. And the only way they're gonna get better is to play in games. So they'll play the spring schedule and I believe no one's going to care. No one's going to care whether they win or lose in the spring. No one's going to care 
if they win the championship, if there even is a championship, nobody's going to care. But they're getting game experience against, against quality opponents. You couldn't ask for a better scenario to develop young talent. And then they're going to be able to go into the fall. So now they're going to have, you know, fall camp, go into the fall. And it's going to be spectacular. Because they're, they're going to have uh, a team that, that's now seasoned. And, and now when people care again and when there's a chance to really, really prep for the season or, or, or fight for a championship, I should say, they're going to, they're going to be ready for it. And, and it could, it, this could be the absolute best scenario for this football team. And then you pick up a couple of players that are, that are mid-year guys and they're going to have the opportunity to really grow and develop because it's really hard for some young guy to just come in and, okay, off you go and expect them not to struggle and not to have challenges and not to make mistakes. But when you, when you give them the opportunity to go into spring and play live competition, it'll be massive for this football team. Well, uh, so again, it's all a big if. I, I, my gut feeling is there's not going to be any spring football. There's just, I just, I wouldn't hang my hat on it. If they could pull it off, it would be phenomenal. Uh, but, but this, I'm just telling you this college football season is going to be rough. It's going to be brutal for those teams that are out and it may be brutal for the ones that are in. I mean, it may be a struggle to, to fit games in and to, to keep playing. All right. Well, helmets off is now off. You can, uh, again, find us at, uh, at Facebook, at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter, at the Helmets Off Show. And, of course, uh, we're powered by kslsports.com. And uh, certainly, well, you, you're listening, so obviously you've downloaded it. But we, we really appreciate our association there. And until then, we'll see you soon. gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.